Hello, my name is Maggie Taggart. I'm a broadcast journalist and I was BBC Northern Ireland's education correspondent for 20 years. Now I've linked up with the Equality Commission for a series of podcasts on tackling educational inequalities. We've been looking at the problems and also the innovative ideas on how to deal with them. Today I'm joined by two men who are working on an initiative called A Fair Start, which has researched educational underachievement and also working out strategies for putting the recommendations from that research into practice. Dr Noel Purdy is from Stranmillis University College. Among other duties, he is Director of the Centre for Research in Educational Underachievement. He was responsible for the initiative called A Fair Start. And Dale Heaney works in the Department of Education. This is his second time in that department. That's due to the roller coaster of civil service appointments. And this time, one of his roles is to find ways to put the ideas from A Fair Start into practice. Noel, can I start with you first? Tell us about the origins and the reasons for A Fair Start. A Fair Start really comes from the New Decade New Approach political settlement from January 2020. So this was a, a, an executive commitment. All five political parties signed up to the New Decade New Approach. And one of the commitments, one of the many commitments they made there was to establish uh, an expert panel to look at educational underachievement and to develop an action plan with specific reference to issues facing Protestant working class boys. So in July of last year, July 2020, the then Education Minister, Peter Weir, appointed the, the expert panel that I was very privileged to lead and which also comprised uh, Joyce Logue, Mary Montgomery, Kathleen O'Hare, uh, and Jackie Redpath and we worked from September, September 20 through to the end of May. We actually published a fair start on the 1st of June last year. We'll talk a bit about what those recommendations are. I know you have 47 actions listed and that's a part of the job for, for Dale Heaney because Dale, tell us what your role is in this. How are you taking this forward? Well, my role is uh, currently to have oversight of the implementation of the, the actions and recommendations. So uh, one of the first things we've done since receiving the report is establish a programme board to make sure that we have all the right people around the table uh, considering how best to implement the actions. And one of the main messages within the report, as you'll see, is collaborative working. So it's asking the department to work with all of its partners, health, Department for Communities, the Executive Office, Department of Justice and so on, uh, because we realise that tackling the impact of educational underachievement starts from a very early age and is cross-departmental and cross-sectoral. We, we felt that was an important starting point. Uh, and th there's lots more to say in terms of inter uh, interventions and implementation, but so far the, the progress is, is going well. So you'll be monitoring that and cracking the whip if you think somebody's not pulling their weight? Uh, well, I'll certainly be working to, to those who have that influence. Um, and yes, there's, there's a significant level of interest from the executive and from our minister in particular because she feels it's, it's part and parcel of how we can overcome these challenges. Uh, and certainly she and uh, her colleagues, her special advisors and so on, uh, felt that it was important to make progress in this before uh, the new mandate uh, and with the new elections next year. Noel, Tell us a little bit about those 47 actions. I don't want you to go through every single one, but you have some main headings, I know, where you think attention needs to be put. Um, I think it's important to say that, that this is a very different report from many of the previous reports that we've had in, in Northern Ireland on educational underachievement. And when we, when we were appointed last July, a lot of people said, 
not another report on educational underachievement, not another expert panel, because there have been a lot of previous academic reports in particular or groups who have come together and written reports which have produced um, lots of very well-meaning but often very broad and sweeping recommendations. This was very different. So this, first of all, came out of um, a political agreement between five parties. So that was significant in itself. It wasn't owned by one particular party, even though the education minister appointed us. And then secondly, we were tasked with producing not a broad report, but an action plan and a costed action plan at that with smart targets. That's much harder and it was very challenging for us to do that. But the result is uh, 47 actions, as you've mentioned, Maggie, in eight key areas. Uh, and this has made it much more possible, I think, for Dale and his team and others from other um, uh, government departments to actually implement because it's been costed, it's been set out in eight areas, 47 actions over the first five or six years. Um, and that makes it as easy as possible. I'm not suggesting that all of the actions are easy to implement because a lot of them involve co-design and um, you know working with communities, working with schools and the education authority, the department, other government departments as well, to try and work together to, to co-design initiatives. And, and that's time consuming. Um, so we're not suggesting that it, it is possible even to implement everything straight away, but it makes it much more implementable, if that's a word, uh, than other previous reports. Plus, we were delighted whenever not just the education minister, but all five executive parties endorsed our report at the end of May last year. So that in itself is quite an achievement. One of the lines in the terms of reference for the, the expert panel talked about seeking political consensus. And that was something we were very mindful of as a panel, which was representative of the community, that we wanted to produce a report which would make a difference which would find political consensus because we knew from the very outset that if we uh, veered too far in one direction or another uh, uh, and lost that political support, then the whole report with all its wonderful recommendations would be scuppered. So we were determined to find that consensus. I believe that we have done that and we've now produced a report which is uh, ready to be implemented. I'm delighted to hear what Dale has said about the progress so far. And we just need government, and um, by government I mean all executive parties, to really get in behind it and to commit funding to it. You know, we, we believe that this is an investment in our children's future and particularly those children who come from most disadvantaged homes. Am I right in thinking that your main focus is the very young children? That's right. Uh, I mean, with 47 recommendations, but 13 of them relate to early years. And that's where the money is best spent. So it's not to say that money cannot be spent or should not be spent with older children in primary schools and in post-primary schools and post-16. Of course, there's need there as well. But the greatest return on the investment is in the early years. And I don't even mean in nursery schools and in, in foundation stage P1 and P2. I mean during pregnancy, in the not to 3 stage as well. There's been some fantastic work done with two-year-olds, but even uh, with uh, one of our recommendations, for example, talks about the role of health visitors and enhancing that role and increasing the educative potential in that role as well, that, that mums from disadvantaged contexts and communities and dads as well can receive support and education and signposting to services long before the child may enter the formal world of schooling. So, Dale, this is a lot to draw together. How are you tackling that? I mean, so many departments, so many topics and a lot of action needed. Yeah, I think um, 
the programme board has an important role to play and the Minister has been meeting with her executive colleagues to make sure that Ministers are cited on the importance of the report. I think that, that will be an ongoing challenge. You know, everyone I think has seen that uh, the auspices of this has come through the Department of Education and it currently sits with us to drive forward. But convincing other ministers and other departments to, to see their role in this is going to be ongoing uh, as, as a challenge because uh, I think Department of Justice, for example, Department for Communities, sees the benefit in investing in children's lives in a way which, which they see as, as positive. Youth work pedagogy, for example, sitting alongside uh, teaching and learning in the classroom, that's recognised as one of the central messages within the report. Uh, but getting colleagues in those other departments, for example, to, to say that they need to, to support and find, for example, the budget and the money available to invest will, will, be, will be a challenge. Uh, but we're starting up for that. So to complement the, the programme board, we have a stakeholder reference group that's sitting alongside that work, allowing us to design policies from first principles, which I think, again, is a different way of doing things. Normally, we we invite the people we want to, to talk to as the policy develops, perhaps after it's already started. But starting from initiation stage and involving those partners, I think, is very important. And I think they're beginning to see and recognise how important the Fair Start report could be to them as well. So to bring it alive for people to try to, to make it clear to them what it is will actually happen, pick out a few of the, the things, the initiatives or, or the, the projects that you think are very important to put into place soon. Uh, well, some of the uh, interventions that are happening this year, we're starting with a review of uh, funded uh, early years interventions. So Sure Start, for example, that uh, the public should be aware of in terms of its impact, the Pathways Fund, the Toybox projects uh, will all begin this year. Uh, there's also digital resources for early years. So that's about using uh, online resources to assess children who may have developmental needs, but earlier on than perhaps is happening at the moment. And if those are successful, then to roll those out on a, on a wider basis. There's a, a visual impairment project for children who may have trouble navigating their way around the classroom, for example. So then again, that's a very small project, but it's building on and developing good practice so that we can make it more broadly available. So some of these actions in the first year, right, this year, are on top of the, the actions that Nolan and his panel identified, and that's really to get some traction with, with the work. As you can imagine, switching on 47 brand new actions will take time, and that again was recognised within the report because it was scheduled to take place over six years where the, the work would accumulate over that period. Uh, so the Minister, having allocated £4 million this year, was keen that we make progress quickly. Uh, and so she was mindful of, of getting getting that traction. And hopefully the public will see that in terms of um, uh, early identification of special educational needs, for example, which is obviously of significant interest to, to the public, and making sure that we grow those successful pilots on a more a wider basis. Oh, very laudable projects, but we talked about the money and there's a cost attached in, in, in the document. How convinced are you that that money will actually come in to the budgets to be spent on those things? Well, I think it, it, it's we have to be realistic. There, there will be a challenge, and uh, you know the pressure in education next year will be three hundred fifty million pounds. Now that will rise to two or half a billion pounds in in two years' time. So adding something in on top of that clearly will have increasing challenges. But you know it's, it'll be our job to to make that case to the executive, uh, and I think rec getting other departments to recognise their role uh, in contributing potentially to some of those costs, I think will be will be critical. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think Dale has hit the nail on the head there. You know, it's about, in, the word investment is used there rather than expenditure. This is an investment in the future. And money spent 
particularly in those early years, but in, on the initiatives that we've put forward in Fair Start, will actually save money further down the road in terms of later interventions and remedial support and special educational needs and so on and so forth. Even in terms of the juvenile justice uh, system, there's clear evidence to show that investment in the early years, particularly in disadvantaged communities, reaps enormous benefits later on. Now, convincing not just the Department of Education, but all government departments implicated in this is a challenge, and we appreciate that, but we are encouraged so far. We're very conscious that there's an election coming up in the springtime, and we would appeal to all the political parties, those five political parties who have endorsed in principle a fair start, to actually commit more fully in terms of their manifestos and get behind a fair start to make a real difference to children's lives. The Education Minister has said everyone must have an equal chance. Now, what are the chances, do you think, of, you know, in the next five or maybe six years of, of everyone having an equal chance? Well, I completely echo what the Education Minister has said. That's exactly what I believe, that, that no child should be disadvantaged because of the family or community background that they come from, and everybody ought to have an opportunity to, to succeed, and that should be based on merit, not on background. I think this is an unprecedented opportunity to make a difference. We've been talking about educational underachievement for far too long in Northern Ireland. The Equality Commission have been writing about this for more than a decade. And finally, we've got a report now which has got cross-party support. This is an opportunity on a plate, as it were, for our political masters to deliver on. We've made it as easy as possible in terms of producing an action plan with deliverables that are costed across five or six years. If our politicians don't deliver on this, I can't understand what they would ever deliver on in terms of addressing educational underachievement. It's an unprecedented opportunity that must be grasped. Is that the biggest challenge, do you think, getting everyone to, to buy into it? Well, I think the biggest challenge is what Deal said in terms of budget. You know, I think it's it's perhaps easy enough for the political parties to get behind this, and, and I don't doubt um, how genuine those um, political representatives are that we've met. The challenge is clearly budget and it couldn't have come at a worse time really, you know, on the back of COVID and with all the, the massive pressures that, that face Northern Ireland um, economy. We fully appreciate this. But money simply has to be found. And I think, you know, if, if the last two years have shown us anything, they've shown us that if something is a great enough priority, then money can always be found for it. And I would argue that our children's future and particularly the future of our most disadvantaged children ought to be right up there in terms of our top priorities for Northern Ireland. Do you think that the pressures of COVID will make this easier to, to achieve seeing the problems that young people have had or just will it hold it all back? Uh, I certainly think it, it makes it uh, more challenging simply because where, where we thought we got to in terms of progress, uh, we, we've probably been impacted in terms of where we thought our, our children's learning had, had reached and the, uh, the positive interventions that we'd we'd seen uh, impacting in terms of outcomes undoubtedly has, has been negatively impacted by the pandemic. So we're probably resetting the clock slightly in terms of the starting point for many children's learning. So I would certainly agree that that, that is an extra challenge that has to be catered for. I think the cross-departmental buy-in to all of this will, will be a combination of factors that also you know we need to consider very carefully. How do we get the buy-in of those other departments where that has always been a challenge within education, getting other departments to recognise that uh, children's learning 
is slightly wider than just schools alone. Uh, but the work of the panel, I think, will help in, in persuading them uh, to be involved. I would say it's not all doom and gloom, though, Maggie, as well. I mean, during the year, we met with over 300 individuals. We engaged with many, many school leaders and some absolutely outstanding, inspirational school leaders across Northern Ireland, working in very challenging circumstances, connecting with their local community, making the curriculum relevant for children in disadvantaged backgrounds building relationships, investing technology, using their limited budget very wisely and making an enormous difference against all the odds. We were just inspired by the people that we met. This is happening in pockets across Northern Ireland. Inspirational head teachers who are bucking the trend and you know inspiring their young people and making a real difference in communities. What we're trying to do in a fair start, I suppose, is to make that kind of success possible for all so that leadership, I mean, you'll see in our report that some of our actions are around professional development for teachers, but also professional development and ongoing support and challenge for head teachers, for the principals of schools, so that every school would have an inspirational head teacher who's driving forward, who's connecting with the community, who's empowering those children and young people and making a real difference. To finish with, here's a nice aspirational question for both of you. What will success look like, Dale? Uh, well, very helpfully, um, Noel and the panel set out in each chapter what success looked like. Uh, <laughs> that, so, that's cheating, I think. That's <laughs> that cheating. cheating. So I've, I've picked out a few, a few of their headings, um, which I'm sure many parents would, would love to see. For example, under championing emotional health and well-being, ch- children and young people will be provided with effective emotional health and well-being support in a more bespoke and timely manner than ever before. And I think we've already started to do that through the investment that the Minister for Education has already made and announced this year. Uh, but again, with the impact of COVID-19, you know, the, uh, more more funding and more investment um, over the long term, I think, will, will certainly be welcome. Um, another would be implementation of a, a Northern Ireland system evaluation framework. Uh, and that's about explaining and expressing uh, in, a, in a wider sense than just educational achievements, what does success look like in terms of what you've what you've achieved at school? So, you know, I think we want to move away from just talking in terms of GCSE and A-level outcomes to talking about, you know, where does the child progress to? What have they achieved as a, as a young adult? And what do they hope to do as a, a, a young adult? Uh, I think that's a much more important and expressive way of seeing what a success looks like rather than how many GCSEs did you achieve at age 16? So everyone happy with their lot, Noel? Is that the, the, the vision of success? Well, I think, I mean, I agree with everything that Dale has said, but, but essentially we want all our children to have an opportunity to be successful and to be happy. I'm saying that as a parent, I'm saying that as an educator, as a teacher as well, that's what we want. We don't want children disadvantaged because of the community or family background they, they, they happen to come from. We want everybody to have a fair start, and that's why we, why we called our report A Fair Start, because it's about justice and it's about equity and equality of opportunity. I'm sure everyone would wish you the best of success. Thank you very much indeed, Dr Noel Purdy and Dale Heaney for coming in. If you're interested in the topics we've been discussing, this is one of a series of podcasts from the Equality Commission dealing with educational inequalities. You can find them all on the Equality Commission's website.